very special uh, paper keg film episode, uh, paperkeg.com, all of your comic book podcasting needs. I'm here with a very special guest, a second living host. Folks, this is a kind of a quick little episode, our third host and uh, co-founder Slim is in San Diego right now. So here we are. I mean, we call him the third host, but let's be real. He's the first host of your hearts, you know, the lead dog, if you will. You know, if we were a pack of wolves, he would certainly be the alpha. Right. I And I would be uh, Whoopi Goldberg and you would be the, uh, Cheech <laughs> from the hyenas. And he would be the uh, better one. Now you're going to have me thinking Moji of the hyena names from Lion King <laughs> right. all night. Thanks. Somebody's going to tweet me how dumb I am. <laughs> I don't even know the hyena names from Lion King. And then you'll start getting your lion guard mixed in with it. And uh... I will. Is it Ono? Is right. it Ono? Uh, I can name all the lion guard. Can you? Internet? You know? So what we've done was, uh, in lieu of a comic book uh, book club episode this week, we said, let's do something. I mean, we could do something. Sure, it's Thursday night at 10.09 p.m., and we've had all week to record, but we, we're getting it out there, and that's the bottom line. We said, let's watch the 2004-2006 classic, uh, something near and dear to our hearts, Hellboy. Mm. Yeah. You just yeah, dropped it I out did. there. I just Didn't had even to, I just shoved it out really. there. Um, uh, obviously, the Mike Mignola creation with uh, Guillermo del Toro on uh, directing. Visionary director Guillermo del Toro. And what we have is, um, you know, so Hellboy. Uh, Jonesy, you saw Hellboy obviously years ago was this your okay, first saw in you saw it in theaters okay was this your first taste mm-hmm. of Hellboy at, at, in any medium so yes this was my introduction to Hellboy um and I knew kind of on the periphery that it was a comic book uh you know I always had seen that um, panel of the right hand of doom where it's just him and like the the drab green coat kind of like staring off in the distance so like I was aware not of Hellboy's backstory or personality but that he existed and he was some kind of hero mm-hmm. so when I saw Hellboy the movie you know I was I had no idea what to expect mm-hmm. and I tried to look through that again at that same lens now that I have read all of Hellboy. I've read every single issue. So, um, it's very interesting. So let me, let me try to do a quasi synopsis for you. So, Hellboy, the movie, takes some of the elements of both the first volume and the right hand of doom, which is the, I think technically the third volume, and kind of makes Hellboy, the movie, a origin story, and obviously a setup for sequels. It's like a, a launch pad movie. So Hellboy, for the listeners, I mean, you probably have read the book. You've probably seen the film. It's been out for 12, 12 years mm. now. <clears throat> and it's essentially 
uh, Rasputin, who is uh, not the Rasputin that we know, but in this kind of quasi-reality, he's kind of like a, a dark wizard. You know, he's a summoner of demons, and he asks, um, and now that I'm talking, I can't remember the name, but he's an ancient dragon god from hell to send him a demon that will help him unleash Ragnarok. Yeah, so it will help him unleash hell on earth. So the allies, however, have kind of gotten wind that this is going to happen. And um, so they're, I believe, in Tenguska. Like, it's the Ten- Tenguska event. Uh, no, because I was in 19... 19- no, wait. So I have that all wrong. So ignore that. So they summon Hellboy. But the allies are able to repel uh, Rasputin's forces, and now they're left with this demon. But the cool part about it is Hellboy is a blank mold. He's just a baby. He comes over as an infant. So he's raised by the allies, and specifically Professor Broom, who is kind of like uh, FDR's, I believe, uh, or Truman's occult expert. And he... Uh, raises Hellboy as his son. And so modern times, um, Hellboy is kind of a monster fighting other monsters. And in the film, uh, you know, Rasputin is brought back to life through dark magic, and Hellboy is faced not only with his origin, you know, his greatest enemy that he's never met, but also the reality of can he make a choice to not be what he's technically destined to be. Hellboy. That was uh that was fantastic, Jonesy. Um sometimes I wax poetic. You're I'm glad that you were in in your synopsis bring in the nature versus nurture aspect of it because that's huge and going back like I same with me, I saw the movie first thought it was great. I might have saw it in theaters. I can't quite remember anymore. This old mushy brain of mine. But uh, since reading Hellboy... Your 45-year-old <laughs> uh, brain. Actually, it's funny. Uh, um, I can't see you right now for the listeners. I can always see myself. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Hellboy, and I'm looking over my own right shoulder, and there's Mignola's original PVC cutout. Oh, oh man. That I got picked up somewhere along I, and to me Jonesy you are just a pixelated mess right now so I can see you moving but not oh, yeah. much it's probably my stellar internet uh, delivering you know probably four up uh, four down and two up or one up I'm sure definitely understood <laughs> everything you just said up and down tickets are being uh, mm-hmm. put out for users user entry tickets and uh, yeah, so back to uh, and so I saw I saw it, and then I read it uh, just recently within the past five or six years for for Paper Keg, and I fell in love with it to the point where it may be my favorite, or at least one of them. Going back to see to watch the movie, it helped me both love the movie more and love the original material more. Too yeah. the and the the nature yeah. versus nurture 
was a huge aspect of that in the movie because it's just something that you could uh, convey very well with the move with the moving picture and scenes that could say so much in mere seconds. Yeah, going back, and this is probably the third time I've seen it because I I had bought. There's a sequel, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, and to me, that's one of the most visually stunning films I've ever seen. So, for some reason, iTunes had the two of them in a uh, like a double pack. So I went. And I said, "Well, I've got a, I've got to watch the first one first. So I I watched it like recently, within like the last year, but. Watching for the show, you try to go in with a different mindset. You know, you want to take notes. You want to think really about what you're watching. And I really liked and now appreciate the choice that they really laid off the mythology. And the mythology of the Hellboy universe is present in the film. But at no point do do you get beat over the head with it. And they made it instead this uniquely character-driven film that also happens to be the most visually uh, interesting film you've seen in a long time. Yeah. So what they're able to pull off with both practical effects, makeup with Ron Perlman, and the digital effects, which are, for 2004, look fantastic, even viewing it 13 years later. But it's it's really the character of Hellboy as like this quasi-teenager coming to grips with being the biggest guy on the block, having a best friend, fish man, falling in love with a girl who might not reciprocate mm-hmm. his feelings and losing his father. And it's, but it's about monsters. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. And you, I mean, there's so much I love about the movie and just talking about it with you just, you know, it just makes me love that we're getting to talk about it, but you're right. The, the mythology is one of my favorite parts of Hellboy, but the, the, comic. the comic, yes, but yeah. it could I could see it be, unless it's a lot of people may not have time for it because it's so yeah. it's so kind of uh, left field. Like you know, you're bored. You're like you're getting into Cthulhu space monstery, but occult at the same time. Like it's a very specific genre that a lot of people may not have time for. And even if you tried to perfect it, it still might not uh, charm people the way it's supposed to. So they they do a good job of presenting you the facts. They don't hide the mythology, but they don't throw it in your face. They just tell you the facts they need to convey the story at hand. Yeah, and the the movie benefits from the fact that there is almost zero monologued exposition. There's a there's a stinger in the beginning and basically all you need to know is the I guess the 10 minute origin. And you already know you're in a universe where demons mm-hmm. exist. So that immediately you know you're going to accept the next 2 hours mm-hmm. of the film. So when Abe Sapien shows up, you don't even question the fact that he's a aquatic man, a fish man. Right. So, but there's no, <clears throat> I think they explain Abe's origin in like a throwaway line. Like there's never a point where the movie stops its breakneck pace to mm-hmm. 
explain things to you. And in fact, the only time the movie pumps the brakes at all, I'd say, is the um, the Myers and Liz date sequence. <laughs> yeah, which is the which is the movie just coming up for air, <laughs> right? And then you go right back into it. So I mean, when I, and I wish I knew offhand. I don't who wrote the screenplay, but uh, just wonderfully written to have an action movie that also is this drama and then, but also has this great comedy beat, you know? Yeah. And that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, they, they could have taken it and made, they could have made Hellboy like Kenny from don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Right. Like a total, (laughs) a total like teen wanker. The dishes, yeah, done, and man. and like they could have totally went that route and made him lovable for a different reason altogether. But I like how this. I mean, he is like he comes across, and they they say it in a line that he's you know in his late teens, early twenties, even though he's been around since nineteen forty four or whatever. Yeah, because he doesn't. You know, classic doesn't age the same yeah. way we do. But they. Yeah. But the way. Ron Perlman acts and the way Hellboy is written he's like he's jovi he's comically conflicted like he has real feelings that anybody at any time could possess his love for Liz his uh his search for independence and the fact that he's he knows he's there and can save the day but he also you know he's a little frustrated with being locked away uh in newark new jersey because people wouldn't be able to handle his appearance he just wants to get out and so when they show the scenes of him escaping and like stealing bud lights from people so he can like get drunk because that's what he wants to do that's how he copes is some of the greatest scenes uh the, the I mean the best part of the movie. I mean the, the, the I mean it's all the whole movie's the, the best part. part. It you know very well could be, but uh, I mean there's and the, when Liz comes back to BPRD and the Hellboy thinks for a second that she's come back for him, and when she's like it's temporary, all these emotions play on. Hellboy's face, <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, this is so traumatic. And then it, it goes right into Hellboy is trying to tell Liz, like, like, look, I have this list, and I want you to sit down and listen. And she's like, oh, okay, well, I want to hear, but I, you know, just give me a minute because I'm gonna go out later. And he's like, okay, so I, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm gonna go for. It. And he's like, what, oh, you're just by yourself. You're gonna go for a cup of coffee. She's like, no, Meyer just take me. And she's like, what do you want to say? He's like, you know what? It's not important. <laughs> and it's a, it's such a human reaction that you could see in a yeah. rom com. Like that scene could be in I don't know some romantic comedy, and it would make total sense. But instead, it's in Hellboy. Yeah. And it just this movie is so many good yeah. layers, and I really like the the kind of the first scenes with those them to, two together. Like Liz is self admitted into a psychiatric hospital, trying to come to grips with you know her growing into womanhood, and she possesses these powers, and she knows she needs to be locked away from you know public normalcy. And Hellboy is so in love with her that 
there's almost like this, I like how it's like this up-to-date kind of, I don't want to say Romeo and Juliet, but like Sid and Nancy or Natural Born Killers, like there's these flawed, two very flawed individuals who know they shouldn't be together. Liz more so than Hellboy. Liz knows that she needs to be the mature one because Hellboy doesn't really possess that. And and HB would just totally be in for the relationship. But Liz has to be the mature one because there's so many levels that this couldn't work for many reasons that I, I, I like there's this conflict that makes you like you really feel for these for these two characters. And the way they introduce them is like him standing outside like a gargoyle on, you know, the stone wall of the psychiatric uh, hospital to get her attention. Like that, just the... He's such a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And just the fact that she's in a psychiatric hospital and and he just wants to, like... He wants to catch her passing by a window, like, says so much about their relationship in just seconds of movie. It's like two 16-year-olds like trying to court each other. Mm-hmm. And the girl's really not as into it as the guy is. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And there's even a, like a, you know, Myers is, um, there's a character, John Myers, who's a, a, a CIA, whatever body like technically runs the, uh, we got to also talk about Jeffrey Tambor mm-hmm. at some point as the best character <laughs> in the movie. So Myers is like us. He's the audience. You know, he's this new agent who's getting introduced to BPRD. He's getting introduced to all the characters. So he really plays the part of the exposition if you want to get, you know, technical. And at the end of the film, you know, he's got this kind of crush on Liz. And, you know, he's Hellboy's romantic rival. And they're they're facing certain death. You know, if not Cthulhu, Cthulhu's clone is about to break through (laughs) into this world and just tear it apart. And he's like, so Hellboy thinks um, that you're jealous. Is that like because there's something going on between us? And she's like, are you serious? This is when you want to talk about it? And he's like, well, yeah. She's like red, white, all men are the same and walks off. And it's like a comedy one-liner that, again, is juxtaposed against this fantastic sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy film. The I forget where I was going. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's like it captures my heart in many in in a a couple different ways than the comic does but it's still equally as good the comic for me scratches that like tales from the crypt itch mm-hmm. you know but they I mean? also i like how in the comic and we've talked about the comic before but i like how you you brought it up but there are very throwaway lines that just build mythology even though they never get into what explaining why a certain thing the way it is is the way it is it's just that's the world you live in deal with it and and the comic is very good for building very elaborate stories in that sense like it builds a world that you have to accept and the story and the art keep rolling but the the movie kind of scratches different itches as far as like human interaction and trying it trying to um 
trying to be, I guess, a little more mainstream, but in its own special way, like for a mainstream audience to kind of get. Because no matter what, people love characters. Yeah, and that's the thing. And the comic audience is not going to be the one you market it to where you're trying to make a big mm-hmm. budget Hollywood film. So to get it right like this, to honor the source material, to make it palatable and to make it a popcorn movie was a hard mm-hmm. challenge. And I think, but I think they did it admirably. I mean, I don't even like Hellboy. Like when I read Hellboy, the comic, I don't ever think of Ron Perlman's voice, you know, Hellboy in, the comic is while he's aggressive, he's also very stoic, in my opinion. Yes. And so this script is kind of flipped when this Hellboy is kind of like a free spirit, rambunctious, not afraid to break the rules. It's a different Hellboy, but it's just mm-hmm. as good, just different than the comic book Hellboy. But I, I'm totally fine with it. Like, as being a Hellboy fan of the comic, it does not bother me right. one iota that I'm not seeing the exact same person on the screen because I don't think it would work. The way yeah, you does. couldn't. I don't just. I just don't think you could for for it being the center of a story. You couldn't convey that feeling of him being silent and stoic and just speaking one liners occasionally here and there. I just don't. I mean, I'm not a movie maker, so maybe it can be done, but. You, I, I just it's I find it troubling because all we have to compare to is the movie that exists. But you tr- you have trouble picturing a Hellboy that they are marketing to a, a mainstream audience, written with you know five lines in the movie or something like that. Right. I I think I think maybe when Slim goes back, we should consider doing a very quickly the Golden Army. Because I think that was a phenomenal film as well. And I think a lot of what we're talking about gets even better to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen The Golden Army maybe twice. I've seen it way less than I have Hellboy. But I remember just uh, you know, being so happy that they they went down a mythology rabbit hole with... Uh, you know, they, they definitely opened up the floodgates on what's out there in the world. Yeah, it, w- which is great because I think it, the movies came out pretty far apart. Was it like five years? Like it wasn't a direct follow-up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Hellboy and then two years later, Hellboy 2. It was like Hellboy and then 2009, Hellboy mm-hmm. 2. But they didn't treat it differently because they didn't retell the origin. They were like, listen, if you want to know what's going on, go buy Hellboy because we're just going to jump in the deep end of the pool and it's a, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And somehow, you know, this is a credit to Guillermo del Toro, the Hellboy 1 looks amazing and has some of the best visual directing, uh, directing the best visual directing I've ever seen. And somehow it just exponentially mm-hmm. gets better in the Golden oh, Army. Yeah. And that movie is gorgeous to watch. You could watch that movie on mute mm. and be sitting rapt mm. attention as to what's going on. Yeah, I think maybe we could convince Slim or Slim will just tell us to go ahead and uh, do that ourselves. But either way, I think Slim, Slim will just be traveling, yeah. jet setting, 
you know, we'll just do whatever yeah. we need to do. Haircutting, record, you know. all kinds of all kinds of wonderful things that he does. Now, applying filters to his Instagram, and th- you know, thinking no one's going to notice. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So like that kind of stuff. Whitewash, whatever. He just looks that, that great naturally, I guess. You know, or, I, I, um, a couple of the things that really like tickled me and really like called home to the source material was the the Nazi. Like they really kind of got into his, uh, you know, they really tickled the the mythology was with the guy who was like the Nazi who was addicted to surgery. And uh, he's basically, he was dry as a bone, but all of the surgeries he's had has kept him alive. So he's like that clockwork sort of on back. He was cool. (laughs) He, he, that was just neat. And that was, you're absolutely right. It tickled the ivories of the uh, mythology. Like that, it it was just like, this is what can exist here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the uh, the same for, I think the other standout was when Hellboy pulled the dead the dead Russian or whatever he may have been when he was killed but he pulled like the half dead body out of the uh, the, the grave to ask for directions he like resurrected this miserable dead oh, body yeah. and slung him over his shoulder around the noose he was killed by to uh, ask directions on how to get deeper into the uh, crypt or, or the you know the Nazi occult yeah, staging it's staging area. area that they yeah. and that was that was just fantastic. I don't know, I I thought everything about this movie was just phenomenal, and I I was gonna watch it the night I got back from. Uh, I was just recently on vacation, and I'm glad I waited a day because I was like mm-hmm. more awake and ready to watch it. And I actually was planning on like throwing it on the iPad. And like playing Rocket League in the background and just kind of like halfway paying attention because it was like I was crunched crunch mm-hmm. for time. And as soon as it came on, I, I just, I watched the whole thing. Like it, it, it got my attention and kept me in the movie yeah. the whole time. I just watched it from. Yeah, there. I did. I actually did. I was going to throw, I had to do some uh, late night work. So I threw it on uh, Netflix on the TV while I was working and I had to stop. I was like, I got to finish work first because I can't. This is such a good movie, and it's been so long since I've seen it. I got to devote the time I need to watch yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, and it's a movie that has to be appreciated. And I guess, it, you know, as we get older, I have things going on, and have to multitask. It's it's uh, again a credit to both the director <laughs> and the uh, the writing that it 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 makes you stop what you're doing. I'm like, oh, I have to pay attention to what's going on because mm-hmm. this movie is so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean that's I think that pretty much sums it because we if we just kept speaking we would just kept keep speaking about how good yeah. the movie is because it's fantastic movie. Yeah, I have uh, I have no uh, bad things to say about Hellboy and I, and I think I don't even know if there's a vocal minority out there that that has anything bad to say about it either. Mm-hmm. I think it's in my opinion my opinion now I'm about to speak a generality but also say my opinion. Uh, I think it's kind of like universally loved. I sure hope so. And I sure do. I, I, I hope there are no naysayers because it's, it's a really tough movie to try to hate on, but maybe there are, I'm sure there are people out there. Yeah, well, I'm sure there are. It's the internet. A uh, couple, couple things I've called from uh, IMDb Trivia, you know, that might be uh, up your alley. Uh, both Mike Bignola and Guillermo 
were discussing who they were wanted to play Hellboy, and without prompting, they both said Ron Perlman uh. at the same time. So he was the first and only choice to play wow. the lead role. Um, let's see what else. The decision to make his feet booted was apparently something I didn't even notice, but is oh, a trivia yeah. point. He was not cloven hooded, hooved as he was. Let's see what else. Uh, we have. Wow, this is a good one. Uh, in 2012, Ron Perlman volunteered to sit in the makeup chair for four hours to fulfill a make-a-wish for a, a young kid whose Hellboy was his favorite. And he was a... Uh, oh, that's awesome. So the, the he went and spent an entire day as Hellboy just to hang out with <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and here's a... We didn't really talk about Jeffrey Tambor, who is probably the comedy heart of this film. But... He took this job as a favor a week before because somebody else who was cast didn't show up. No call, no show. I'm going to make a guess, even though it's not here. The most no call, no show guy in Hollywood is uh, Michael Madsen. So I'm going to... Do you know that for a fact? I'm, uh, I'm going to speculate that it was Michael Madsen. Well, and I only <laughs> the only reason I say this is because uh, my wife and I want to... Um, Monster Con. She was big into that one when we first met. And um, Michael Madsen was supposed to be like the key guy. And he no call, no showed. And we asked the security guys, like, oh, is everything all right? Yeah, we call him, like, is Michael Madsen okay? Pretty much. And the guy's like, yeah, he does this all the time. He blows us <laughs> off like four times a year. So, okay. So, so based on that, so, you said the most it's no like call, six no show. degrees of separation. That guy could have been blowing smoke right up my yeah. bee hole, and I would have no idea. He's probably the most punctual man yeah. on the planet, but because of that one interaction, you know, here I am, S-talking, poor Michael Madsen. When he listens to this podcast, That reminded me real quick that I I would, I would want to see if there's like a deleted scenes or director's cut, because they never pick back up on Jeffrey Tambor when the movie's over. Is he in the second film? I think he is, but oh. they never, like, uh, Jeffrey Tamboy's left in that room with the record player where the uh, the surgery Nazi was, uh, like, uh, put down in the room with the spikes. And he's like, uh, you know, hurry up and finish what you're doing because it's getting chilly in here. And that's the last we see of him. Oh, after he lights Hellboy's yeah. cigar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. We never find out. what. Ha- actually, the last scene is... Is it Hellboy and Liz kissing is the final scene? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. And Myers kind of gives his, like, you know, a man is his choices and not what we think he's going to be mm-hmm. and whatever. Anyway. Wow, another, this is a great one. There's an actually uh, Seeds of Destruction, or it's named something similar. It's a documentary about the six years it took Guillermo oh, to wow. make this movie. It's actually longer than the film. But apparently it's on the DVD as a... Uh, to find that. The studio wanted Vin Diesel for the role so badly that when they eventually agreed to cast Ron Perlman, they asked for him to be Abe Sapien. <laughs> Can you imagine Vin Diesel as Abe Sapien? Just to get just to get the name Vin Diesel into a movie. Yeah, he must have been hot two thousand four. Was that the year of Vin Diesel? Probably. So I don't know. Two thousand maybe that was the year of Fast and the Furious. This movie's been around for four decades, it feels like. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like the 15-year anniversary of Fast and the Furious or something. I saw a movie trailer today, and I have I don't know which way to feel on it, but it's a triple X sequel with Vin Diesel in it again. Like, who needed another one of those with Vin Diesel back in the starring role? Well, they needed the triple X, I guess. They had the one X. And what was the second one? State of the Union? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I was like, oh, man, do we need this? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the world's no, ready no. For, <laughs> for triple X3, uh, <laughs> whatever the terrible moniker is going to be. For yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think we I said, think we it, said all. it all. Um, oh, boy. We got a couple letters, but we can uh, we're gonna save those for a proper episode because they uh, yeah we'll save it for sure yeah they're very uh, three host centric and they're very special letters. But we're gonna save that. This is just a little something to get out there, you know, for a San Diego Comic Con week. Jonesy and I are here are here holding down the forts. Paper keg always on the cutting edge as all the new the new news comes out from right. San Diego Comic Con. We're talking about a movie that is twelve yeah. years old. So we hope you enjoyed, everybody. Uh, We will see you next week, and we love you.